This is Dave Lombardo, and you're listening to Brutally Delicious Podcast with Bruce Moore. Hey, you're listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. I'm Bruce. And I'm Chris. And today, I am honored to have Dave Lombardo. Many of you know him from Slayer, Suicidal Tendencies, but he's out promoting a movie that he did the soundtrack on. And Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about it, because you're a little more connected to it. Well, uh, the movie, from what I understand, is about a metal band or a rock band that left Cuba. And then they went and toured around and did all kinds of stuff. And when they went back 30 years later, and it's kind of that story, from what I understand. Yeah, I haven't seen it, just a trailer. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I just read about it. And um, the cool part about it is that it's it's about a band from Cuba, and Dave Lombardo was actually born in Cuba. He was born in... Ah, so a little connection there. Yeah, he was born in Havana. So... The other cool thing about it is, is I don't think that the way he described the soundtrack, it doesn't sound like there was any metal involved. It sounded like it was a lot of ambient stuff and more composition, which kind of, which kind of shows that he's pretty versatile in, in what he does. I am a lifelong fan from back like in 83. So, and I've been out and about, uh, I've run into him a few times here and there, especially on a uh, 70,000 tons. I think it was his wife he was with, but it was, uh, we were out looking for Jamaican Blue Mountain Coffee running around the shops there, me, Denise, and him, and I believe it was his wife, and I was like, holy shit, I'm here. I'm running around Jamaica with Dave Lombardo from Dead Cross or Suicidal Tendencies or a Slayer, and you know, it's been an idol, so this will be a really nice treat. That's I'm probably going to nerd out a tiny bit. That's the best part of that cruise, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck. I remember in 2016... I was on the way back to the boat with my wife and Ange, Angela, my friend. Yeah, and, I know Angela. And we're we're standing behind this couple, and, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, hey, what are you guys doing here?" <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> um, "Well, we have a set later tonight. We're playing." I was like, "Oh, cool!" <laughs> you know, I found right. I found out later that it's Jen, the guitar player from Evanescence. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, I was just like, nice. oh, oh, she was playing in a different band at the time. I don't remember what band, but I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, we just yeah. waited in line, drinking beers, chatting with them the whole time. Yep, that's what happened there. Um, Denise and I were out looking for coffee, and I turned around and went to grab something, and I looked up on, holy fuck, it's Dave Lombardo. And yeah. then he's like, so what do you think of that coffee? Uh, I'm in. I, I, Dave Lombardo, holy shit. Yeah, the quote on, the wiki, on his wiki page says, uh, one of his bandmates are th- his bandmates get angry at him because they have to warm up for an hour to get ready to play this thrash, and he just walks in and sits down and plays. Can you imagine? Because he's just a natural at what he does. Right? Can you imagine the, the way he plays and he's, he just sits down and does it? Oh yeah, just like okay, time to play. <laughs> like, That's like, wild. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, so let's go ahead and get him on the line. See what he's got to say. Portions of this recording have been pre-recorded. Hey, Chris, we got Dave on the phone. Dave, meet my partner, Chris. Hey, Dave, how you doing? I'm well, thank you. How you doing? Awesome. So, anyway, thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. I know you're busy. Um, I guess we'll just jump right into the, the film. How did you get involved in 
I'm going to butcher it because I don't know Spanish, but Los Ultimos, how do you pronounce that last part? Uh, Los Ultimos Freakies. Oh, okay. It was right. I didn't want to butcher it, but yeah. how did how did you yeah. get involved in that? I know you're of Cuban descent, but how did you, uh, how did that come about? Uh, the director, Nicholas Brennan, contacted me approximately nine years ago and presented the story to me and uh, asked me if I was interested in scoring uh, the the documentary. Um, I found the um, I, I found the story fascinating, and uh, and I felt uh, uh, you know pretty big connection with you know not only you know the story but with with the musicians you know because I clearly you know felt that it that could have been me uh, right. if my parents didn't uh, you know come to the states in. Uh, in, in the late 60s. Okay. How did you, I got one more, but how did you find time to do something like that? I mean, between suicidal tendencies and I don't know if you, are you still doing film by the way? Or is that? No. Okay. No. I, know I talked to you on the tour, last tour cycle with film, but how do you keep up with it with, uh, you know, the uh, tour cycle and the suicidal tendencies? Uh, a lot of, um, you know, you have to focus. You have to focus, stay focused and, uh, you know, you have to put aside any kind of, uh, extra, you know, curricular, you know, right. activities that go on, whatever. You just have to, you know, hone it in. Say, hey, I can't, uh, I can't hang out with you, you know, tonight. <laughs> right. Where, you know, it's a friend or something. I, I got to work. And seriously, sit there in front of the the computer and and, and write. And um, so it, it's it really takes a lot of you know discipline. Uh, to to do something like this, especially I come off tour, and uh, I'll give myself okay. Let's say my my plane lands at you know twelve o'clock in the afternoon. You know, okay, I have the rest of the day. Uh, maybe have a day off and then start working the next day, or you know, just immediately start working the following day. Right. And you know, until until my next you know scheduled either show or rehearsal. Okay, Chris. Well, I I think the synopsis of the film is really cool. Having visited Cuba multiple times, I spent about uh, six weeks down there. Um, and some friends of mine actually just sponsored uh, a metal festival actually down there, where they went and played. I think they played in Havana, in Pinar del Rio, somewhere, and one other place. I can't remember the place, but they they like took three bands with them, and they went and did like a Cuban metal festival, which, which I found really kind of inspiring. And, you know, how, how has being born into like a Cuban American family kind of changed the way that you kind of perceive your life in America? Well, it, it was funny because growing up in America, when, when I was, you know, living with my parents, that was a Cuban household, straight up. It was <laughs> right. coffee, the scent of cigars, there was rum, there was Cuban <laughs> food, there was Cuban music. But as soon as I stepped outside that door, that was America. And, right. you know, I found, you know, that America had all these opportunities. You know, growing up, the land opportunity. You can make it here. This is where if you if you work hard, and you kick ass, and you keep your nose clean, you know, you can go somewhere. And, you know, with that instilled in my mind, 
you know, as a child, I felt that I had every single opportunity, you know, available to me. I mean, watching my own dad uh, come to this country without knowing a single word of English, okay, get, uh, get, a, get a job. You know, his trade in Cuba, he was a butcher. So he found himself a, a, a great job with great benefits, uh, uh, and and he worked there until he retired. He bought a house, he bought his cars, he he took care of the family, and you know he he lived the American dream. And what was wonderful, what's wonderful about about that is that a person that came to this country without knowing a word of English kicked ass and was able to support his family. So I saw a major contrast in approach when it comes to uh, work ethic uh, from my family to not only, I mean, I saw similarities in a lot of other families, but then I saw a lot of families that were exploiting, you know, the, 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 the opportunities sure. here, exploiting them in a in a, in a in a negative way. So you know, it, it was it was real interesting, and I think seeing that, um, I think drove me uh, further into pursuing what I loved. Nice, that's awesome. And that work ethic probably got passed down to you, and it probably really propelled your your um, like your musical career in a way. Because, yeah, and it's because also, you, had, you had that belief. Yes. Yeah, and I still do. You know, you could, you know, I could probably go through any any situation and I'll still come up with my head above the water because I have that drive. Uh, you know, I've been in situations where I've been without a band, without work, without any direction, just my own instincts. And just the thought of, just me pursuing life and just, hey, I'm going to stay positive and I am, uh, I'm going to prevail. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to, you know, if I, I need to start a new band, I will start a new band. And if I, you know, need to schlep my drums around, you know, Europe uh, and do drum workshops because I don't have a band, uh, I'll fucking do it, whatever it takes. So that <laughs> ethic definitely was instilled in me. You know, I, I just recently did an interview and they asked me, hey, how do you feel about, you know, touring in a van? And it's like, you know what? I've toured, I started touring in, in a car with with Slayer going across country. Right. And, you know, we slowly went into a van and then we got to finally, you know, during Rain of Blood, we got into a tour bus. Wow, that was a change. You know, <laughs> then we, we started doing tour bus tours, you know. Uh, across the country and Europe. Then I found myself in a uh, in a band. You know, yeah, we continued on tour buses, but then I found myself joining Phantomus with my patent, and we back, went back into a van. And right. we did tours, you know, in, in a van uh, throughout Europe with Phantomus until we we you know until we didn't you know perform anymore, but. It doesn't matter, you know. It doesn't matter how or what means there are to 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 tour or, or whatever. You just get out there, like. All right, amazing. So, 
Yeah, so getting back to the film for a second, I know we're jumping around here, but did they have a, an idea of what they wanted from you, or did you just go in there and start from scratch and put it all together? Uh, I started from scratch. I knew that the music, the, I didn't have to create any kind of metal music or or anything like that in that genre, because all of that was supplied by the band that was being featured in the documentary. What I had uh, was uh, the cues. There was about 30 to 40 cues. Cues meaning short snippets of the film. And I had to create a body of work or or a short. It could be 30 seconds. It could have been a minute, minute and a half. Uh, they, They all varied. And I had to draw from the emotion that was uh, uh, that was you know coming from the scene, and I had to create a piece uh, revolving that scene. I had to uh, take notes from uh, the the director, and I had to sit down with the director and one of the executive producers, and you know I would take notes, and they would tell me, okay, we need this this section. Uh, something a little more, you know, melancholy, something a little more, you know, dramatic, so an undertone, uh, some kind of a, a soundscape. Right. Uh, and there, there was a lot of uh, also uh, sound design that went into some of the tones that I was using. And, you know, and, and it was honestly one of the greatest experiences that I, I've had musically. I was working within my own creativity. I wasn't relying on other musicians and having to feed off of what they're trying to convey. I just went ahead and, and, and just took the bull by the horns and I was under my own, you know, creative right. you know, control. So if the opportunity arose, would you do something like that again? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I enjoyed it very, very much. Nice. You know, I, um, I've mixed feature films for Universal and Disney, and I've worked with some pretty high-end composers. Did you find the process at first, you thought, oh, I just have to match the picture, you know, this will be fine. And then as you started going, you realized, well, there's no tempo to these cuts. How do I, how do I make all of this fit together and work without any I'm tempo sorry. map, really? Sorry, real, real quick. Can you repeat that again? Because it's a little, it sounds a little... Oh, yeah, sorry. Okay. So... Um, I've done films for Universal and Lionsgate and indie movies, all of the stuff. I've worked with high-end composers. When you were composing for the film, uh, when you first started, did you think, oh, this will be cool, I can just create some mood music, and then as you got into it, you realized, well, they didn't cut this picture to any tempo, I have to hit the, I have to hit the cuts, how am I going to fit all this together? Did you find that challenging? Um, I, I feel... I feel that I have a very instinctual uh, uh, something inside of me that's instinctual that when I see something, I automatically find a, a let's say, if they send me just a cue, I'll look at that cue and, you know, because they'll tell me, okay, the, the, the music should start at this point and should end at this point. So I'll look at that and... I'll have a sense of rhythm or, or, or mood. I'll follow 
I'll follow the interaction between the, you know, not the actors, but the, you know, the people involved in the scene and I'll see how it flows. And then I will, I will then feed off of that and then create the, the momentum of, of, of the score. Um, it, it just, um, it's just something you just have to just feel out. It, it wasn't difficult. I knew what I had to do. Uh, it's just being happy with what, you know, the outcome is, is what I was, you know, mainly focused on. I wanted to make sure that what I was delivering was um, what their direction and what they, they were envisioning as well. Right. That's, that's where my next question was going to go, because as a musician, sometimes when you deliver something and someone doesn't like it, the musician kind of gets an emotional response in a way where they're like, well, I really like it. But when you're working on a film, you're kind of the employee of the director and the producers. So how, how many recalls did they give you, or did they give you any at all, or were they just happy with what you uh, did? No, they were recalls, Absolutely. You know, and there were some, no, Dave, we need something more like this, or they changed their mind, and then I would have to come up with, with something else. Um, that's understandable. I experienced that with, uh, I, I, I did a pilot, I wrote music to a pilot to a Disney cartoon, and I felt, you know, I, I mean, I, I experienced, you know, the recalls and uh, you know, the change of mind, you know, two or three directors, you know, sitting there and uh, producers and now we need a little more of this, a little more of that. And that was, that was exciting um, and, and interesting all at the same time and a new experience. But working with, with composers throughout my career, uh, Tyler Bates, Joseph Bashara, um, uh, Christopher Young, recalls are part of the norm. It, it's it's part of the the process. And uh, one experience uh, that Tyler Bates, uh, you know, told me about was a movie he was working on uh, that they, he wrote the score, and he was he felt that he it was practically done. And then the, the directors and producers went back and said, no, we want something totally different. <laughs> and he, he had to rewrite the whole thing. I don't know how many hours of music he had written. And then the directors went back, you know what? We like the original score better. And <laughs> oh, man. It, it felt like he felt like punching himself in the face. But those stories prepared me for what I was getting to. So I, I expected the recall. So you guys are on the road with Suicidal now, and then what's, what do you got going on after that? Um, I will be, let's see, I play San Diego this weekend, uh, and then shortly after that I think I'm flying over uh, to Mexico City and doing Fest. Oh, nice. With, sui with Suicidal, and uh, doing a show in El Salvador, then I'll be, back and then I'm doing a Misfits show in Philadelphia with yeah, the Misfits. Yeah. pretty amazing that's too. What about Dead Cross? Is that on the side now? No. We are recording a new album in December. Oh, sweet. I know yeah. I, caught you, I caught you on the uh, 70,000 tons. Actually, you and I were uh, looking at coffee in Jamaica at some point. We were looking at what? 
uh, Jamaican Blue Mountain coffee in the, on the 70,000 tons of metal cruise. Down in Jamaica? Oh. Yeah, you were on that cruise. I was. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we I ended up in the same shop I, looking at coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I missed and that I cruise and I was so pissed off. I missed Why? that cruise and I was so pissed off because my buddy Ken uh, was in charge of doing all the video on that cruise. So I actually ended up editing it, and I was watching you play, and I was like, fuck, how did I miss it? I've been on almost uh, every one, but that was the one I missed, and I was like, fuck. So I had to edit you a lot. <laughs> I came across all your live footage, and I was like, holy fuck, this guy can play. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I remember I did, a, uh, I did something with uh, some of the guys from Annihilator. I think yeah. I did a Judas Priest. Yeah. yeah and they, a Judas Priest song. Yeah, and they, they do that like yeah. the... Uh, Greatest hit. I mean, all the musicians just kind of jab. Yep. Yeah, that was awesome. Great time. Yeah. Well, cool, man. I appreciate your time. Be well. Good luck with the uh, yeah. the rest of your tours, and I thanks you again, man. Okay. Thanks, all right. Cheers, guys. brother. Right on. Take care. Bye. Okay, yeah, bye. Thanks for your contribution to metal, man. Take it easy. You're welcome. Thank you, man. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.